It's Wednesday, December 23rd. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, Mr. Bill Barker. Hey. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Um, you and I are together. Um, we are together in a universe that doesn't have a lot of business news in it. Not in the way that we talk about business news on this show. So we're we're going to do what we do on those occasions. Occasionally we'll we'll dip into the full mailbag, but I, I thought it'd be interesting to get your take on uh, something that we did over the past weekend on Motley Fool Money. We, we were doing our year in review. Um, wanted to get you to weigh in. Yesterday, Maria Gallagher weighed in with her pick of CEO of the year, um, and I made the point to her: I don't envy the the people at Forbes magazine who had to come up with. Uh, their CEO of the year, because I feel like this was a tougher year than most to do that. I think I feel like there were a lot of really strong candidates. Um, but if you had to vote, who who gets your vote for CEO of the year? Uh, I'm going to share the award um, and give one uh, honorable mention, runner-up, since we are so low on news today. But uh, who was your CEO of the year? Before I, I go into that. Uh, mine was Kevin Johnson at Starbucks because uh, uh -huh. I feel like he elevated himself this year in, into that small list of business leaders um, who other business leaders want to hear from. I feel like he has now joined the ranks of, of people like Jamie Dimon and, and Warren Buffett, among others. So I'm, I'm going to start with my honorable mention, uh, which is Bob Iger, and uh, uh, criticize that choice. Uh, he's not actually a CEO. Yes, but he was until February 25th. And as you know, uh, my preferred superpower, were I to ever be granted one, would be the ability to leave at the right time. Um, an argument, uh, a stock, a relationship, a job, whatever it is, if you had consistently the ability to leave at the right time, that, that would be a superpower. And uh, Bob Iger left at a pretty good time. But the reason that I would give him uh, honorable mention is that Disney Plus, which was in place at the end of 2019, wow, wow did that save this company? Because it was between theme parks, hotels, uh, cruises. Uh, boy, this was squarely in the crosshairs of the, um, the worst places to be for all of 2020, but for Disney Plus, it's a great point, and you know how much I hate actually giving you credit for stuff. But uh, I think that if Iger leaves the company, I forget what his original date of leaving was going to be. It wasn't 2020. I, I, I he, he kept extending a couple of times, so I, I, I want to say it was maybe 2017 or. 2018. But if he had left at that point, he would have left a, you know, big shoes to fill, very impressive legacy. And I think the, the first paragraph of that uh, legacy includes the major acquisitions Disney made under his leadership, uh, buying Marvel, buying Pixar, Star Wars, that sort of thing. Uh, to your point, it is those acquisitions that lead to his shepherding the launch of Disney Plus, which was delayed at least a year and a half from when they were originally hoping to get it off the ground. And um, yeah, it, it it really has. Although it's interesting, I mean, I, I totally get Iger as an honorable mention. Um, I, what I just said about Kevin Johnson, uh, I would say the same thing, and I have said the same thing about Bob Chapek. Like Bob Chapek 
has been CEO of Disney for less than a year. And in that time, he has 100% made this his company. So, I was trying to think originally when the question was formed to CEO of the year, I thought, well, I'd like to look for people who couldn't have been prepared for this and had to scramble around and did a great job rather than people whose actions ahead of time had put them in a good place for this, which is, I think, where a lot of um, some of the choices that you'd sent me about who's already been mentioned uh, were. They were in industries that benefited uh, from the 2020 dynamic of staying at home and more tech. And, and so, um, I, I really couldn't think of somebody. I was looking for like, is there somebody out there in an oil company or hotel, somebody who has done remarkable things despite the odds being against them and not being able to change 90% of their business to adapt. So, uh, you know, maybe Starbucks, uh, you know, Chipotle, kind of, you know, they had taken some actions ahead of time uh, that put them in a place to take advantage of where people were going to do their buying. Um, but uh, my actual CEOs of the year, I don't know. I don't, I don't think, to me, there, there's really any uh, choice other than um, this, the heads of uh, Pfizer and, uh, um, which is uh, Borla, and uh, Stefan Bansell, I believe, of Moderna. Um, you know, if I'm thinking of people, uh, and I don't want to give too much credit to a CEO for a vaccine rather than the scientists, uh, although they both have scientific background. Uh, but look, I mean, you're up against the entire world in terms of competition, huge companies. Uh, and the ability to meaningfully get something done uh, before anybody else is literally you know, saving lives. And given the, all the challenges there are with the regulatory environment and, and the pressures and, and people you know, looking at, well, did you sell stock at a certain time or you know, buy, what are you doing? I, I would just say that uh, I don't know that Pfizer uh, or Moderna would have uh, gotten there any faster or slower with a different CEO. Uh, I'm thankful we don't know the answer to that because it seems like this is about as good as we could possibly have hoped for. Yeah, the stakes really couldn't have been higher. I mean, every every business was looking to survive 2020. Obviously, some did not. Um, it's another thing when your business succeeding means uh, the rest of the world can be safe. So, um, so kudos on those choices. Another thing we did uh, on the show last week was dumbest investment of 2020. And whenever possible, I like to give folks uh, more than one direction to go in. So, it could be a dumb investment that you made in 2020, or it could be a business investment that you saw and just thought, oh boy, I, I don't know that that was a, a wise use of capital. What's your choice? Uh, I guess I I'd, I'd gave it a slightly different take. It's not an investment that I made. Um, I, it could be, I guess. It, it's just uh, Kodak, to me, stands out as the investors that, that invested in Kodak after the news came out that the government had awarded a $780 million Chemical manufacturing contract uh, under the Defense Authorization Act, or um, to, to Kodak, and the stock went from two to sixty. And the people who were buying, uh, 
at any of those points in the, the 40s, 50s, 60s, it didn't on its face seem to make any sense. It immediately was uh, surrounded with controversy about the selling of uh, shares and, and uh, the uh, award of options to, to management at uh, precisely the, the right moment. Uh, and to date, we don't know whether the uh, actual loan is going to go through or not. So I just thought, you know, the people jumping on the Kodak bandwagon, a company that has, uh, you know, kind of survived bankruptcy, um, came out of bankruptcy about eight years ago. I, I just don't know what they were thinking. It's interesting because there's been, you, you look back on 2020 and in terms of investing and investor narratives, one of the stories of the year has been the rise of Robin Hood, younger investors getting into the market for the first time uh, for a number of reasons, including the ability to buy partial shares. And uh, there was a lot of talk on financial television about uh, essentially questioning the run-up of some businesses, and it was being attributed to Robin Hood. And you raise a good point, which is, hey, look, you can you can look at the run-up of a business like Tesla. You can look at the the run-up of a stock like that, and ask questions about it. And obviously, the run-up of Tesla is um, greater in pure dollars than the run-up of Kodak. That being said, to your point. The run-up of Kodak is really pretty absurd. <laughs> the, the going from two to sixty was just like, wait, what? Why? Okay, let, yeah, let, sure. Let's say the loan goes through. Really? We're we're gonna thirty x this company off of this one loan? Uh, if I were to the investment that it's not dumb. What what has happened with AT and T's investment in HBO Max, which to me is something that should be working out better. Uh, and and is sort of universally lambasted uh, as as for the execution, not for what is there necessarily. Uh, when you, when you somehow manage to get to HBO Max, which takes work, um, but but what, that that's a brand name and a content stream and a, a set of experiences which should have made it. Uh, a worthy competitor, uh, whereas Disney and Bob Iger get to take victory laps for Disney Plus, uh, HBO Max not doing the same. It is pretty amazing how AT and T has bungled this, and maybe I shouldn't use the past tense with bungled because there there there's still a very good chance the the bungling continues into 2021. When you think about the way that Reed Hastings methodically grew, and Ted Sarandos methodically grew original content with Netflix, taking that patient approach over time, the way that Bob Iger and his team, you know, took some heat, and rightfully so, for the delay of the launch of Disney Plus. Um, but the, the th their thinking, and they were correct, is that, no, we got to get this right. We have to make sure that everything is right when they like. And AT&T comes in with HBO with an you know, established content, a great brand, and right out of the gate, somehow manages to create four separate apps with the HBO name attached to it. 
so that people who, and you know this about me, I'm always mystified whenever businesses make it difficult for people to spend money on their products and services. For the people who really want something, they should be able to just get it as quickly and easy as possible. It's something that AT&T, I think, does very well with its core business of wireless service. They, as someone who is an AT&T customer, they make billing very easy. And the way that they have just been handed this, uh, just all of this wonderful, rich library of, of great award-winning content on HBO and just have managed to screw it up. And then, with the recent announcement of what they're doing with their movie slate, uh, because AT&T owns Warner Studios, their movie slate of 2021, they've somehow, uh, in one fell swoop, managed to uh, infuriate pretty much everyone in Hollywood. It doesn't matter. Writers, directors, producers, pretty much everyone is mad at them. You going to be watching uh, Wonder Woman over there on Christmas? Uh, maybe not on Christmas Day. Get the but, kids back home? And, uh, uh, you know, yeah, over the break. Caught it in the theater, did you? And not going to catch it in the, in the theater. but Oh, the original one, yeah. Yeah. Saw that in the theater. No, I think Christmas Day might be watching... Um, uh, the new uh, Pixar movie Soul, which which looks pretty great and a pretty pretty great collection of talent. But um, to, but just to to put a bow, just to bring this back to your answer, yeah. Thank you for calling out the people who invested in Kodak because yeah, that was not a you know buying Kodak at sixty, not a great investment. No. Now if you bought it, like it it, it did almost double about. Two weeks ago, when the news came out that the investigation of uh, you know management uh, had cleared management regarding the loan, it's still not clear whether the loan's going to go through. And with a new administration coming in, I would not bet heavily that it will. Uh, so it still could fall further again. But at least they they seem to be out of the, the criminal prosecution crosshairs for the moment. It's always nice when you can get out of the crosshairs of criminal prosecution. I don't say this from experience. I'm just, I'm assuming it's great. <laughs> You've heard. I've You've heard. heard. <laughs> um, uh, real quick before we wrap up, I want to mention uh, for listeners, uh, we're going to have another bonus episode of Market Foolery coming this Saturday. It is not another apropos of nothing. Uh, it's, it's something else um, uh, that uh, I'm cooking up with Dan Boyd. But uh, So that's coming on Saturday. But speaking of apropos of nothing, uh, a, lot, a lot of nice uh, emails and, and comments from people who listened and enjoyed, even if in some cases the people that they live with weren't happy about the fact that they were listening. Uh, we got a couple of those emails like, ah, I was laughing a lot and the person I lived with was, was pretty annoyed and had to go to another room. And uh, although we did, we, it, people... Some people, uh, I was going to say, took issue with. I don't think it's that. Some people were hoping that we were going to uh, come to some final resolution on the Mount Rushmore of soups. And I, I just like to say to those people, that was never going to happen. That 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 you and me and Bill Mann, we were never going to agree on the Mount Rushmore of soups. I, so I think so we that was, we all could have provided our own Mount Rushmore, and maybe. You know that that is uh, a request that I think we can say could have been delivered, but I don't think we were ever going to uh, get to grand council level on what was actually no. what I assume is someday to be an actual thing, which is a 
something carved into a great mountain um, in the form of four bowls of soup. Big soup will make sure it happens. Well, wait a minute. Big is like a Cam- like a is- Mount Rushmore thing. No, but I know. Soups. But when you say big soup, isn't Campbell's big soup? Well, yeah, they are big soup. Uh, sure. So they're going to be going with with their stuff. And by the way, they make gumbo in in a can. And you said gumbo is not a soup. So Campbell's big soup is there to squash you and your you know comparatively worthless opinion on the matter. <laughs> I'll I'm just, just say saying. I'm, 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 I'm just channeling no. Big Soup for the moment. Look, I, I, Campbell's Soup is based in Camden, New Jersey. And Scenic I, Camden, New Jersey. I, I think it would be a great um, a tourist attraction to just you know put right there in front of Campbell's HQ. Like, yeah, give us the Mount Rushmore of soups. Beloved uh, sister city of, of Philadelphia, Camden, New Jersey. Yeah, so like you, you go to Philadelphia, you, you, you see the Liberty Bell, which I know you're a big fan of, and you, you go to the Franklin Museum, and then it's like, hey, let's hop over the river. We'll go to Camden. We're gonna, kids, we're going to check out the Mount Rushmore of soup. We're going to Mount Rushmore? No, that's in South Dakota. We're going to the Mount Rushmore of soup. Uh, but uh, to echo you, th- thank you to everybody who, who wrote in with anything complimentary about uh, that or anything else. I, I got to say, we've talked in the past. Um, it's always great to hear anybody uh, appreciating the work. I know um, the criticism that is sometimes uh, constructive and leveled uh, either by email or, or posted publicly. It really is like the pain of, of any criticism is is eight to ten times the the joy of getting uh, a, a single a single complimentary email so uh take that out there not not to us to everybody else if you want to make their day and you appreciate what they do um either in podcasts or or in real life it's oh. a good sentiment oh. to end on bill barker thanks for being here thanks as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.